hello! Welcome back to Loki's Library, and if you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. This week's book, because it is Christmas Eve, is a Christmas classic, and I needed a little reminder of solid holiday traditions, making this week's book, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Uh, I mixed up some eggnog last night. I couldn't really do it on camera because it has to be chill overnight. The recipe comes from Downshiftology. It is four eggs, half cup of maple syrup, one and a half cups of milk, one cup of heavy cream, a third cup each of brandy and rum, and a teaspoon of nutmeg. And then you garnish it with cinnamon. So here's my pre-mixed nutmeg, or nutmeg, um, eggnog. That's the one. And then you blend it up again before you actually start drinking it. So this will be pretty easy. Now I think most people are familiar with the story of A Christmas Carol, right? I mean, most people are. Um, you know, the, the story of stingy old Ebenezer Scrooge, who was visited by the ghost of his deceased business partner, then by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. And these visits affect the change in him that takes him from being a stingy old man whose name 100 years later is synonymous with greed to someone who represents the soul of generosity. And it's interesting that his name remains synonymous with greed when the end of the tale, he is this generous person who gives, you know, who does good things. Oh, I think I overdid the cinnamon. Oh, well. But there it is. It's because people don't read these days. They're not aware that his name actually should be synonymous with generosity and kindness and giving spirit. Everybody still thinks that just means greed. Most people miss that that's the end result, except for whoever made this meme. This one. There. Right there. That was actually pretty funny. It made me giggle when I saw it. That's not bad. That's pretty mellow. There are multiple eggnog recipes out there. A lot of people who are like panicked about, oh my god, salmonella. Are the same people who say, you know, who don't eat cookie dough because they don't want to get salmonella from the eggs. And well, bah humbug to that, I say. So the story basically. Ebenezer Scrooge is basically a bean counter of some sort. He's some sort of an accountant or a market man, like a stockbroker sort of thing. And he's quite good at it. He's become quite wealthy as a result of his business. But all he does is hoard his wealth. And I don't even necessarily mean by like, like Bezos, Zuckerberg, Gates, where really it's the interest on the interest on the interest that they've earned that they're living off of. I mean, those guys are, yes, absurdly wealthy, but they at least enjoy their wealth and do, in fact, feed it back into the world through charity. All right. I mean, Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is... is hugely well known for being a charitable organization that helps out people in, in poverty stricken areas of the world but they also help out and give back by like buying huge houses and private planes and yachts which are yes more than the vast majority of us will ever be able to afford or buy but when they buy these things they're actually creating work for other people and the tradesmen who build the yacht the house the plane all the staff to man the above they all benefit from the obscene wealth of the gateses and the bezoses of the world Scrooge did none of those things. He literally hoarded his wealth like a medieval dragon, not even benefiting himself with any luxuries, uh, choosing instead to live a solitary, lonely life wherein he barely heats his office in the dead of a London winter. And this is in a time well before central heating or even water radiators were a thing, meaning he has the money to stock the coal bin. He just declines to do it for his own comfort or for that of his one clerk, Bob Cratchit, who is grossly underpaid, but with the tough times in the 19th century London is glad for the work regardless. So Cratchit is shivering over his low-burning coal when Scrooge's nephew comes to visit and asks Scrooge to spend Christmas with Fred, who is the nephew, 
and his wife. And Scrooge famously says that Christmas is a humbug, that's all pomp and circumstances and garbage, and why should we all be making merry when, you know, it's another day that I could be earning money, basically. And Fred gives a beautifully worded speech about the importance of Christmas and what it means to most people, and to which Scrooge repeats his infamous words of Baha, humbug. And shortly after Fred leaves, uh, some solicitors come looking for charitable donations, and uh, the, the dialogue looks exactly like this. I mean, it's like word for word. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. The workhouses, they're still in operation? They are. I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill, the poor houses, still in full vigor? All very busy, sir. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said, that something had stopped them in full force. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and food and warmth. Oh, what can we put you down for, sir? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. My taxes help to support the public institutions which I have mentioned, and they cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, perhaps they had better do so and uh, decrease the surplus population. Surely you don't mean that, sir. With all my heart. Now, if you will go about your business, gentlemen, and allow me to go about mine. So, those words are important. Because the Ghost of Christmas Present uses them to brutal effect to bring about kind of the biggest changes in Scrooge throughout the, the evening. But before we get there, Scrooge is home. He's enjoying his bowl of gruel because he would not spend money to buy himself a Christmas pork roast or anything like that. And not even like better food for himself. That's how tight-fisted this man was. And he barely heated his room when the ghost of his former partner, uh, or excuse me, his, he was in his, in his barely heated room. When the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley, visits him. And Marley is a dreadful vision. He is weighted down with these heavy chains. He reveals that he forged himself while he was living by being as stingy and tight-fisted as ever Scrooge was. And he advises Scrooge that Scrooge's own chains are longer still, uh, having had seven years, additional years, to work on them since Marley's own passing. And so he's been forging them link by link and yard by yard every day by being this tight-fisted miserable old man who won't share and i don't just mean share as well but i mean share of himself give anything back to the world around him and uh the reason that the chains exist is that marley in his life and scrooge even now is forgetting the meaning of life which is not in fact money for money's sake it is to forge a connection with your fellow man and to help raise each other up and find solace in others and provide solace where one can and because a single ghostly visitor could, to a rational man, be dismissed as a result of bad food, or as Scrooge says, there's more, more of gravy than the grave about you, Marley promises him that three ghosts will visit. First up, of course, is the ghost of Christmas past. And this spirit shows Scrooge his own lonely childhood, and you sort of start to get a feel for why Scrooge ends up the way he did. I mean, he was, he was cut off from family. His own father sent him to a boarding school and basically left him there for years. Uh, from a very young age on his own holidays were spent alone reading books which sounds divine to me but when you're a kid that's brutal man all you want to be is around your family and your family's rejected you so it kind of helped those were his formative years and his companions during that time were Robinson Crusoe, Alibaba and his 40 thieves rather than any kind of family he did have family I mean not just his sister who was the mother of his nephew Fred when he had his father, he rejected him. Eventually, he is brought home by his father, only to be immediately apprenticed to Fezziwig. 
Fuzzywig was a good boss. He enjoyed the holidays and encouraged Scrooge to make merry at Christmas. And it was here that Scrooge met his almost wife. I think her name, her name was Belle in the movie, but I think that was it in the book too. And I say almost because while they were engaged, eventually Scrooge's love of money for love of money for money's sake, uh, chased her away. And the next thing the spirit shows Scrooge is his former fiance, now married with a bunch of children, discussing with her husband Scrooge's solitary existence seven years prior, where he's working alone on Christmas while his partner Marley lies dying. And here, Scrooge decides that he's had enough and pushes the spirit away, only to, to, to come to in his own bed. He's like, no, okay, so maybe it was just a dream, right? Because there was Marley, maybe that was bad food, Maybe this was just a vivid dream brought on by the bad food. Uh, so he decides that it was a dream, goes back to sleep, only to wake up just before chiming the betokens the visit of the next spirit, the ghost of Christmas present, who takes Scrooge to visit his nephew's residence, where he learns that he is the source of much humor while they all laugh at him saying, you know, bah, humbug. And to Bob Cratchit's home where he sees the merry chaos that is the Cratchit household where they may be dirt poor, they have no money for gifts or anything like that, but they're very rich in love and family. And a lesson that is sadly missing in today's consumer-driven society. Um, and we can see Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, you know, famous God bless us all, everyone. Uh, and the book, in the book, Scrooge does ask if Tim will live and the spirit responds. I see a vacant place at this table. I see a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future the child will die no no say you will be spared if these shadows remain unaltered by the future none other of my species will find him here but if he is to die then let him die and decrease the surplus population you use my own words against me So perhaps in the future, you will hold your tongue until you have discovered what the surplus population is and where it is. It may well be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. So... Seriously, this version of A Christmas Carol is by far the best adaptation I have ever seen. Like, they just took the book and made a movie with no major changes or di in, in dialogue, dialogue, no scene screw-ups, nothing. It was quite well done. That's the one with George C. Scott in it. But this, coupled with seeing how some of the truly desperately poor live, like poorer even than the Cratchits, they don't even have a house, they, they have potatoes that fell off a cart that they're managing to eat, does more to sway Scrooge away from his curmudgeonly ways. But of course, the most terrifying is the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and he's up next. And he never speaks a word, N neither in the book, all he does is point, in the movie, all he does is point. And of course, Scrooge sees his own dark death, unattended and unloved, <coughs> where no one mourns him. And the only emotion at his death is the peals of laughter from the scavengers who robbed his room afterwards. And the only sadness he sees in this future is that of the Cratchits, where the ghost of Christmas Present's prediction came true, and Tiny Tim has died, leaving the family bereft of this small spot of pure goodness that used to live in their midst. And with this, Scrooge begs for mercy and swears that he'll keep, Christmas, keep the spirit of Christmas with him all year long. He'll do better by his fellow man by embodying the kindness and goodness of the Christmas spirit, all the year long and he wakes up first crying in terror then in pure joy as he realizes that he has not missed Christmas and he can start right now. 
So he sends an urchin to buy the biggest goose in the market, which he sends to the Cratchits before going to his nephew's house to enjoy Christmas dinner with everyone. And the next day, when Cratchit comes in, doubles the man's salary and pledges to help find a cure for Tiny Tim, who does not die. And neither does Scrooge. At least, well, not right then. Everybody dies, obviously. But he does find joy in life again. And it took angry ghosts to make it happen, but, you know, hey, whatever works. Okay, Mr. Bezos. Well, this book is timeless for a reason. I know it is very popular on social media to completely miss the point and use it to denounce capitalism, but that's not the point at all. Money is not, in fact, the root of all evil. That, that's not the saying. The saying is that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money for money's sake is evil. That's where you get these mega corporations that run the entire planet and wreak chaos and misery everywhere they go. But the things that Scrooge saw that night helped him to see that he was squandering the resources he had earned by simply hoarding them for the sake of having money. Voluntarily helping those in need is the best possible thing you can do, and you don't have to have money to do it. I remember seeing something on Instagram that was popular a while back. It was like a meme or something about, I, I need God to bless my pockets so that I can bless others. Basically, the implication being when I have more money, I have more to give. Well, that, here's the thing, though. You don't actually need to have money to help others. Um, Scrooge had money, yes. Does money help? Sure. It's a lot more comfortable to cry in a in a you know BMW than to cry in a you know on the curb next to your bicycle. Granted, but um, he he was able to help in that material way. But you don't have to. You could sign up at local soup kitchens. You can donate your time. You can donate household goods to charitable organizations, which make them available for those who can't afford the newest gadget. You don't actually need to have money to be generous in spirit. And that, too, is an important lesson from this story, because the Cratchits had no money, and they were so generous with each other, with everybody they met. So kindness costs nothing, and that is definitely a lesson that is lacking in the 21st century. And uh, that's it for this week. If you liked what you saw, don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you guys next Sunday. Merry Christmas.